It's time for Cadillac On Call on News Radio 610 KONA. It's your chance to learn valuable health information right here in our community. Now, the host of Cadillac On Call, here's Jim Hall. Hey, everybody, welcome to Cadillac On Call presented by the Cadillac Foundation. As we take the air today, it comes almost a year to the day from when the Benton Franklin Health District initiated an incident command center with the outbreak of the coronavirus. A year later, the pandemic still dominates our lives. With cases in our country in the tens of millions and the number of Americans who have died about to surpass 450,000. There is promise on the horizon as case rates and hospitalizations have begun to stabilize and in some cases decline or at least stabilize, as we mentioned. Uh, And the vaccines, as we touched on, are here, though in short supply. On today's program, we'll check in with Heather Hill with the Health District and get the latest on availability of vaccine throughout our region with Ben Shear with the mass vaccination site out at the Benton County Fairgrounds in Kennewick. First to Heather Hill we go. And Heather, first question, if I told you a year ago there would be an incident command still active due to COVID, would you have believed it? Actually, Jim, I would not have believed it. I think we're all really in awe of how this last year has gone and looking to, you're exactly right, a year ago right now is when we did open that center and it, it significantly impacted our lives here at Benton Franklin Health District, which ultimately impacts the community. So, no, we didn't anticipate being this long into it. But, yeah, here we are. And, again, I know a lot of it has been certainly uh, the fatigue is ebbs and flowed. But uh, with the vaccine now here, although the supply, as we touched on, is limited, at least there maybe that's provided a little spark for everybody and a much-needed boost of, of energy and, and optimism. It really has, and I've been participating daily out at at the fairground site, and I know Ben's going to be speaking more to it, but I'm at the curbside, so I get to see the excitement and the appreciation of the people who actually come through the clinic, and it really, really is a breath of fresh air to see people excited about getting this vaccine that ultimately is going to open up our communities. But I think it's also important, just extremely important for people to remember that we've talked through the last year about our COVID mitigation toolkit, which is social distancing, hand washing, and wearing that covering over your nose and mouth. We now have that fourth tool, which is the vaccine, but you still have to do all four. We're we're not at the, the home stretch yet. We're also concerned as we're looking at the actual testing rates are starting to decrease. We're not seeing as many people go into the testing center, but the rate of positivity still remains pretty high at about 18%. And our, our ability to move to phase two is dependent on some of these metrics, which includes our, our rate of positivity. So just because you're getting vaccinated is not a reason not to get tested if you've had an exposure or feeling right, or just concerned that, you know, did I catch COVID? We know that vaccines aren't 100%. We've seen that people who got number one vaccine did catch COVID even after that first vaccine. So this isn't a time to let down our guard with regard to testing. And so the testing issue, it's not that there's uh, capacity, it's just that the physical people aren't going out to getting tested. So maybe a little bit of complacency? 
I suspect the excitement with vaccine and a lot of focus on can I get to the vaccine is, is maybe leading people away from the vaccine site, but that's just speculation. We really need to encourage the community to continue to use your testing options within the community. And, you know, particularly that CBC test site because they're very efficient, you get timely results, and, and it's a good place to go if you're concerned at all. And those numbers, as you touched on, what, what are, what's our case rates looking like? I know the hospitalizations have, are not nearly what they were during the heights of prior to Christmas and last summer, uh, but they have edged up a little bit in the last few days. I know they at our facility at, in Richland that they were in the 20s, and I think they've edged up around 30 in the last few days. Is that a, a level of concern, or is that, you think, maybe just a, an anomaly? Well, that's certainly a, a data point that we're going to be watching very, very closely. We've seen it go up and down over the last year, and we're hoping this is just a, you know, a sudden blip and not a trend. If we start to see it continue to trend up over days, then we know we, we have something to be very concerned about. And as we look across the nation, we're certainly seeing communities where the hospitalization rates and the death rates continue to be extremely high, and we certainly don't want to have that happen here. So we as a community can do a lot to make sure that, that we don't end up like some other communities in the United States. don't want to put you on the spot, but I know this word variant has come up, and that seems to just bring on its own level of of. Uh, heightened anxiety. From a public health standpoint, what is the concerns of, from, from your world of, of that added dimension to where we're at? I think it's something we need to keep a, a real close eye on, but not panic. Um, right now is not the time to panic. It's, it's time to continue to let the scientists learn about it, get that information from, from science and then we will know how to react to it better. But certainly being aware of it, we know viruses do this, whether it's flu virus or COVID virus, that is just the nature of organisms. And so it's not unexpected, and it's something we just need to continue to keep, being, keep watching for. As we touched on, it's a year, as you mentioned, uh, of, the, of the incident command being set up. It's also this weekend, Super Bowl Sunday. I know every holiday, every major day of things that might cause people to want to celebrate is an, is, adds a level of concern in your world. Is that your level of concern higher with this weekend coming up? You know, of course, with, with Super Bowl, again, we're going to be reminding people to do the same things that we've asked any of the holiday times really limit the number of people you're gathering with when you are gathering with people outside your home because we know people will. Wear those face coverings. Slip them down while you're putting food in your mouth. Slip that face covering back up while you're chewing and talking. Um, decrease the, the high-touch foods, the high-touch environment where you can transmit things through your hands. We also know that alcohol is a big part of Super Bowl Sunday, and when we are imbibing in alcohol, our, our inhibitions are decreasing, and we're not as likely to be as cautious as we might be without having you know, those couple of beers on board. So again, it's time to think about how to do Super Bowl Sunday safely. Luckily, the weather's going to be a little better this weekend, 
and maybe some of your activities can be held actually outdoors where it's a little bit safer. I'd like you to give you the final 30, 40 seconds, if you would, uh, where we started and maybe reflecting on on this past year and, and the work that your team has done and this community has done uh, to, to take on this pandemic. Oh, thank you, Jim. I'd love to. Um, you know, thinking about my colleagues here at the health district or across the state, this is certainly something we've drilled for, we've trained for, but living it is, is certainly very different. It's, it's being rewarding in many respects, but it's probably being one of the most, um, the biggest public health challenges I've ever faced in my career in public health. And working with the Guard this week has been pretty exciting because out there we're seeing an entire community come together. It's not just the Guard, it's not just Department of Health or Benton Franklin Health District, it's our police departments, fire departments, it's a huge community effort, and, and I think that has been a real highlight for me at this one-year anniversary is seeing how Tri-Cities, in every one of these situations, whether it's testing or vaccinations, our community has risen for the occasion. People have come out to help out to really, because we all put our community and our community members first, and that's why we're out there doing what we're doing. Very well said. Heather Hill with the Benton Franklin Health District. Thanks so much for taking the time, and we'll talk again, I'm sure, next Wednesday. Uh, we'll take our first break of the evening, get more on the vaccination clinic out at the fairgrounds right after this. You're listening to Cadillac On Call on 610 KONA. This program is not a substitute for direct consultation with your own health care provider. Always consult your health care provider for your specific condition, especially if you have or suspect you may have a medical problem. Now back to Cadillac On Call. Here again, Jim Hall. Welcome back to Cadillac On Call, presented by Cadillac Foundation. If you missed any part of our program, it is available by podcast. Search Cadillac On Call wherever you listen to your favorite podcast. Back to the phone we go to check in with Ben Shear from the Pasco Fire Department. Ben is serving as the public information officer of the mass vaccination clinic that's in operation at the Benton County Fairgrounds in Kennewick. And Ben, I, I understand things are going quite well. It's just the supply is so limited. Uh, it's it's That's what makes it challenging. Yeah, correct. Thanks for having me on, Jim. Appreciate it. You bet. It's just, again, it's that supply issue. Um, Heather was just talking about that. There's only so much vaccine available. So, you know, we can only disperse as much as they'll send to us. Uh, but we have our system work, working out. We can do 200 an hour if we have the vaccines available to us. And so, you know, it's going pretty smoothly out there. Uh, the public has been really great. Um, they're bringing in the documentation they need to prove their appointment site and, you know, coming and getting through. Um, today was really a frustrating day because it was just a trickle all day long. So just want to remind people, of it, and this is only true for the mass vaccination site at the Benton County Fairgrounds, but if you have an appointment there, we don't care when you come. Come earlier in the morning. We would actually prefer that. Um, because then we know how many appointments are missing. If we have, everybody's heard about the extra doses of vaccine per vial. So as that adds up over the day, then we can, you know, reach out to other people and other sources to try and get more people in. Um, so we're encouraging people. Yes, it shows you have an appointment at, you know, 2 o'clock in the afternoon. But really, if you come in the morning, wait times have been minimal. Uh, things are moving so fast that, uh, you know, even if there is a line, you're going to get through there pretty quickly. 
and we'll get you on with your day, and uh, then we'll have a better idea how many other vaccines are available that we can reach out other sources to. So this week you're working Tuesday through Saturday, if I'm understanding it correctly, and are you dividing kind of what your available supply of vaccine equally over those days just for that point, as you say, so you can make sure that you're hitting, getting the people that have the appointments? So, yeah, that was the request from uh, Department of Health, State Department of Health. We did 3,800 shots last last week. Uh, we've got uh, just over three or 4,000 doses this week, so divided that out by the five days um, that they were requesting us to try and do that. So there's people that have to work during the week, so we have a Saturday clinic so that hopefully those people during the week can get an appointment on Saturday and make it then. So we're yeah saving those doses to be spread out through the week. Um, but we know, you know, there's 40,000 people in our in our community right now that are eligible. And at, you know, 4,000 doses, it's going to take a while to get all 40,000 of those people done. So, and I know there's other clinics in the community and everybody's doing their part. Um, and like Heather mentioned, this has just been an amazing, amazing community event, um, you know, for a community that quite honestly has a hard time getting together and, and doing fireworks shows. Everybody in this community has, has got come together for this mass vaccination site to make sure it's supported, make sure it's working for our community. Um, we love the support that's happening to it, and you know, just if we get more vaccines in, we'll get more shots in arms. So we appreciate that support from the community and and from you know all all the different players that are involved. So, what is your advice then for people that don't have the appointments? You touched on that each day you have a an unknown, but a little bit of supply that you can accommodate uh, drive up uh, folks getting the vaccine. What do you, what is your advice to people that want that want to try and take advantage of that? So, yeah, we do. I mean, I know the state doesn't like having this holding line, but the reality is we want to get all the vaccine used in a day and we're not going to make sure we're going to make sure it doesn't go to waste. So we do have a short holding line that opens up in the afternoon. Uh, Don't come at 10 o'clock in the morning asking to get in the holding line because we're just we just we don't have any idea what's happening at that point. So we're not going to do it. Uh, But later in the afternoon, we'll open that holding line and we'll only try and put as many people in there as we think we might have vaccines for. So um, that varies a little bit. Sometimes we get a few extra people in there. Uh, Friday, we only took three cars out of that line. We had got it down to that exact number. Um, I think yesterday we did 24 people out of that line. Um, So each day as we get better with these numbers, we're opening more appointments. Uh, But there's always that little unknown cushion of, of people that don't show up for their appointments and that extra dose. So, yeah, you still have to bring your eligibility. Go to the phase finder uh, for this level of vaccine, for this level of the phase we're in. Uh, bring your documentation, that documentation with you so we know. And then uh, and we'll, you know, put you in line um, and hopefully you get a shot. But there's no guarantee you're going to get in that line and there's no guarantee anybody from that line will get a, a vaccine. So everything, all the appointments for this Tuesday to Saturday are taken. Do you know what your plan has yet for next week? So, yeah, we're still trying to work with Department of Health on that. Of course, the big unknown, again, is how many doses they'll send us next week. Um, we've all heard all kinds of numbers, so we're uh, uh, trying to work with that and see what we can do. Um, there's, Yeah, it's not a lot of unknowns, uh, but it'll probably still be that Tuesday through Saturday time frame. Uh, they really want us to, again, do that Saturday clinic. So we'll we'll continue to host that, um, but if the, if we just can't get enough vaccine in, we may switch to less days per week. Um, it just doesn't make any sense to have all these people out there at the fairgrounds 
barely working. So um, they've got the system down. We can do way more vaccines than we have. So we might as well condense those people down into, you know, four days instead of five if we need to or something um, and save the state as well as the wear and tear on our people. Uh, if we can do that in four days instead of five. But it'll just that, that no number of how many vaccines are coming is the big one. Right. We know people are frustrated with the system, um, you know, trying to find those websites. Again, just asking, hey, if you've got a loved one that you think is eligible, help them through that site. Um, you can make appointments for them and then get them that documentation. They bring it with them and, and get their shot. Uh, but, you know, they don't have to be the one to make that appointment. Anybody can can do that for them as long as you have all their viable information. So if you're capable of, of you know, checking that website each week, um, trying to find appointments for them, uh, that would be what we're recommending to everybody. So as soon as we know what that vaccine dose is for next week, we will get that out. Usually it's Friday afternoon. So I would expect uh, Friday afternoon, Saturday sometime to get those clinics opened up for the next week. So people should go to findyourphasewa.org to stay abreast of the availability all over the Tri-Cities, but certainly at the fairground side. I do, before I go conclude with you, I know Cadillac, where I work, uh, there is a 500-dose uh, clinic happening tomorrow, but those appointments, I know, as soon as they were posted to Facebook, were literally gone. But I know uh, they're trying to to do those in the same situation. The teams are ready to do it. It's just a matter of having the supply to be able to do it. But I guess from a Catholic standpoint, pay attention to social media, Catholic Facebook, uh, when you can see those and go to that Find Your Phase, the Department of Health. When there are slots open, those are the things to check on. And is that the same situation relative to the fairgrounds too, Ben? Correct, yeah. Yeah, we're trying to everything we can do to keep more appointments available. Um, get more appointments opened up on that website so that people can find them. And, uh, yeah, just get those shots in arms. I, it, it's a frustrating system for everybody. We're all, all the providers, you know, Cadillac and us and all the providers in town um, are dealing with that same thing. So we're as frustrated as the public is. Um, just be patient with us. Keep it going. In the meantime, keep washing your hands, wear your mask, keep that social distancing going. Um, let's open up Tri-Cities by, you know, working these metrics. So, um, if you think you've been exposed at all, go get tested. If it comes up negative, that helps our, our negative numbers. Everybody keeps talking, and you know, all these groups say don't get tested. But the reality is the more people that get tested, the more we can prove, you know, the negative or the, the positives are a lower number than it seems. If only the people getting tested are sick people, then that drives up the positive count. So um, don't hesitate to get tested if you need to. Um, in the meantime, you know, keep the social distancing happening, keep that mask going, keep washing your hands. We will get through this. And, uh, yeah, like Heather said, it's exciting to talk to the people going through out there. They're excited about their vaccines and uh, excited we can help the community. Well, Ben, thank you and the entire team out at the fairgrounds and all across the Benton and Franklin counties that are trying to keep everyone healthy, get them vaccinated and put an end to this pandemic that, as we touched on at the top, has been uh, going on for exactly uh, one year, at least uh, from an incident command point here in the Tri-City. So, again, the number to call, there actually is a number to call I wanted to pass along as well that I learned of locally, an 800 number. If people need some help getting on the computer and accessing uh, how to get some some uh, some of the vaccination information, 800-595-4070. That's 800-595-4070. And again, findyourphasewa.org. Findyourphasewa.org. 
is where you need to go to find out where in your area the vaccinations will be available in the near future. Our thanks to Ben and Heather. Back with more in just a minute. You're listening to Cadillac On Call on 610 KONA. This program is not a substitute for direct consultation with your own health care provider. Always consult your health care provider for your specific condition, especially if you have or suspect you may have a medical problem. Now back to Cadillac On Call. Here again, Jim Hall. And for the second half of our program, we're going to shift our focus away from COVID-19 to cancer care and some exciting news in the community. The foundations of Cadillac Regional Medical Center and the Tri-Cities Cancer Center are joining together to fund the hiring of a nurse navigator to help ease the way of oncology patients during their treatment. This is a position that would be added to the team of navigators already working within the Cancer Center and Cadillac Hematology and Oncology over at the Cancer Center Complex. This particular navigator will work primarily with patients in active treatment utilizing oral chemotherapy. And we're going to go to the phones and welcome to the program Jessica Luxon, who is the Director of Oncology Services at Cadillac. And, and Jessica, maybe first of all, for our listeners, if you would just explain what is a nurse navigator for cancer care and why is this so important? Yeah, so a nurse navigator is a um, specially trained oncology nurse that um, has experience under her belt that can help a patient navigate through the continuum continuum of care. So sometimes from pathology um, through survivorship um, and help really remove those barriers that patients often run into when they're getting treatment. And I would imagine we all know someone impacted by by cancer in some fashion. And so when that diagnosis comes to you mentioned, it's probably the most aptly named nurse that you have on your, your staff, right? A navigator? Absolutely. Absolutely. They are the linchpin um, of, of our programs and oftentimes are the, that first person that the patient will reach out to. Even though we have other pathways for them, um, they, they really help ease the way. And, and as you mentioned, it's, it, I, one, on one hand with cancer treatment, there is such an amazing team that comes together of expertise and compassion and professionalism of all the different combines of, of medical knowledge, whether they're physicians, nurses, or, or otherwise. But at the same time, that takes coordination, right? So does the navigator help in that regard? Absolutely. Um, so cancer is one of those diseases that crosses so many different medical service lines, surgery, um, oncology, or your radiation teams, um, your testing and diagnosis. Um, and so oftentimes they can help kind of move you through, um, whether it's dealing with insurance companies or handing you over to a social worker when you're in a high level of distress and need help. So they really work with a team of people around them. Um, and they're not always just nurses. We, we have our social workers that are part of the navigation team and chaplaincy and things like that. But the nurses have that clinical background that can really identify where they need to get from point A to point B. Now, this particular navigator, I think we mentioned it's going to be working with patients in the midst of oral chemotherapy. If you can, without getting too technical for us, what does that mean and how does that, how does that enter the, into the cancer treatment process? 
Yeah, so oral chemotherapy is kind of a, a loose term for all um, anti-cancer drugs that are taken by mouth. Um, so oftentimes you think of that traditional treatment as that IV treatment or you're going in for your radiation treatment and you're usually seeing your, your care team there on a pretty, pretty regular basis. When you're getting these oral treatments, these are still... Um, uh, potent, strong anti-cancer drugs that are going to do what they need to do, but they often come with uh, difficult barriers such as just acquiring the drugs, working through your insurance, working through specialty pharmacies, um, you know, navigating the compliance of having to take something regularly at the same time daily. And then they often have the same side effect profile as our IV drugs. Um, if not, some side effects could be worse. So they really do need that um, care interaction pretty regularly, those lab monitor monitoring, those follow-up tests. And so having somebody who understands that complexity can make sure that the patients are taking their, their medications uh, the way they're supposed to take them daily and what happens when they miss them is really huge to keeping them on their treatment plan. And the longer we keep them, the more consistent on their treatment plan, the better chances we have to fight that cancer. And I know on the navigation side, whether it's in radiation, medical, or this oral chemotherapy type of uh, IV chemotherapy, you're a busy place, right? Absolutely, yes. We have grown just exponentially um, in the Tri-Cities. We're, we're able to offer so many services for our solid and liquid tumors. Um, it's, it's pretty amazing to be a part of. Talk to me a little bit about, I know the foundations of both Cadillac and the Tri-Cities Cancer Center have separate foundations, but both raise money in support of cancer care, and each are, are contributing more than $100,000 to get this particular new navigation program up and running. What does that mean to you as a leader of this group, your team uh, that is providing the care to have this kind of support? It, it's really, um, it's it feels really wonderful, actually, to just um, be able to work with the Cancer Center and our Cadillac group as well. Um, it's, it's neat to see them reach across all diagnosis, all ends of the, the spectrum for our oncology. And the Tri-City Cancer Center Foundation has been incredible. Um, they, they have, uh, besides this navigation piece, they've added, um, they do Friday meals for our patients. They, they have, you know, these hol holiday giveaways to really support them. So we've really felt really supported and integrated. But this is just one of those things that really brings both teams together. So um, it's, it's very exciting. And I know the Cancer Center has been around for a number of years, but its organizational structure a little bit has changed due to the, some of the, the operational dynamics of, of, of healthcare systems in the Tri-Cities. But, but Cadillac is going to continue on and build on the work over the past several years of what the Cancer Center has meant to this community. So in your mind, does that mean it's going to get even better and more synergistic? Oh, yeah. And I mean, this just builds on that foundation um, that we already have for our cancer services. This will make it um, easier for us to, to communicate, for patients to access their charts. Um, the Cancer Center has a wonderful navigation team full of nurses and social workers and chaplaincy where they're off able to offer so many services. And then to blend that with our, you know, disease pathway navigators is going to really just help every cancer patient out there in the Tri-Cities. Well, and maybe one final 30 seconds, if you would, just a message to the donors to the Cancer Center Foundation, the Catholic Foundation, and, and maybe the symbolism of this, this joint partnership to, to really come together to benefit your patients. 
Yeah, I, I mean, this is this is just a blessing to be able to offer this type of service for, um, you know, like you said, everyone has been touched by cancer in some way. And it helps us, you know, it, it helps us deliver on that Catholic promise of know me, care for me, ease my way. And, and the Cancer Center promise, which is to deliver world-class, you know, cancer care in the Tri-Cities. So it's we're, we're so grateful for the community um, being able to support and fund this. Jessica Luxon, who is the Director of Oncology Services at Cadillac, thank you for taking the time. Best wishes to you and your team and the heroic work that you do daily uh, to take care of the cancer patients that, that enter the doors of that facility. Jessica Luxon from Cadillac Regional Medical Center, the Director of Oncology Services. When we come back, we're going to hear a personal story of someone who has benefited from the work of a navigator and who is also involved in helping raise money to fund these navigators, and we'll do that right after this. You're listening to Cadillac On Call on 610-KONA. This program provides general information only. Any comments or information presented are strictly for educational purposes. Cadillac and 610-KONA do not endorse any of the suggestions made by the presenter or callers. Now back to Cadillac On Call. Once again, Jim Hall. Welcome back to the program. We're talking about cancer care and a partnership that is unfolding between Catholic Regional Medical Center and the Tri-Cities Cancer Center Foundation. The foundations of both Catholic and the Tri-Cities Cancer Center have each contributed $100,000 toward the funding and development of a program to have a nurse navigator uh, added to the team over at the cancer center uh, complex and the oncology services there, uh, which certainly will provide additional great care and cohesiveness to cancer treatment here in our community. And we're pleased to have with us, uh, before we close our program, is Jennifer Olero. And she she checks a few boxes as it relates to cancer care. She's probably first and most importantly a cancer survivor, and we're thrilled to have her be willing to share her story a little bit for us. But she's also an officer and active with the Cancer Center's Foundation Board. And so, Jennifer, first of all, thank you for taking the time and maybe an initial comment from the Foundation of the Cancer Center's perspective on what it means to, to be able to team with Catholic's Foundation to provide this important service uh, in addition to what's already there. It's significant. Um, we have been very fortunate to have such a good relationship and as and such a generous community. Um, from the cancer center's perspective, you know we we have such a we have a very strong foundation board and we have a very strong um, operations within the cancer center, both the foundation office and the center as a whole, and. This community, as you're well aware, is just, uh, it's, it's almost hard to put into words how generous this community is and makes it possible for us to help fill these voids that we see um, in the cancer center and in cancer treatment um, as a whole. So it's been fantastic. We touched a little bit in the introduction that you have a special reason, obviously, and a very important reason for being connected to the to the organization and this service. But talk a little bit about, if you would, you you know the importance of a navigator in in cancer treatment. The navigator role is something that I, I guess I never really thought about it, but it's kind of like having a cruise director. Um, you have. You know, when when you're faced with a, the challenge of just dealing with your treatment, you know, the clinical treatment, there is an enormous amount of um, additional things that, 
you might not think about, you might not have the energy to, to try to address, and you may or may not have a strong support system that can help you. And the navigator really fills that um, need. They, they're able to help with um, transportation. Um, a lot of us may or may not have um, someone that can take us, and, and they help. Um, you know, kind of, kind of coordinate some of that. Um, there's insurance challenges. Um, I was fortunate enough to not need that help, but um, I, I do volunteer um, with the Warrior Sisterhood, and that navigator is is crucial sometimes in helping deal with the challenges of just the insurance alone. Um, and then, kind of a third um, is is. The, there's a lot of side effects that um, emotional, um, there's physical side effects that you deal with as part of your treatment, and the navigator has resources, it, it can point you to the resources to help alleviate some of those challenges as well. So they are really um, guiding the patient um, through all of these challenges. For me, um, it really helped me um, not be embarrassed to ask, you know, um, I had breast cancer, so I had no idea what to expect. And um, they were able to kind of help me, you know, get to the resource center and um, talk to the uh, naturopath at the cancer center to help with side effects that I never in a million years thought I was going to have to deal with at, uh, you know, in my younger days at 43. So <laughs> it, it's just, it, it's, it's really, uh, they really are a gift to the patient. And it's interesting, as we touched on, we all know you're, you directly impacted and everyone knows someone either, they've either had it themselves or they know someone close to them. And as you touched on, I know one of the things when I see, and I'm, I'm, I'm over in the the oncology services over there on the cancer center complexes is you do see, I mean, the vast majority do have wonderful support systems, but it, but it's almost heart wrenching to, to recognize that not everybody has that, that luxury and that ability to have someone with them. Right. Yes. And, um, sadly, uh, it's, it's very frequent. Um, there's a lot more folks there that, that need, that extra help and um you know before covid th- there were the navigators can even help um or or had helped i'd seen um with some of the um the, the volunteers that are there and they just everybody just kind of takes care of everybody else and it and it's really nice to see because again being being alone and having to deal with with that is just unimaginable we have just a, a minute or two left, and I'd like to maybe uh, end where we started. And and you were you're a volunteer. Uh, you are a volunteer to serve on the foundation board. And I know in 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 my years in the Tri Cities working uh, in healthcare, it, it, it always amazes me to see the commitment of volunteers, whether it's in the hospital setting, the clinic setting, wherever it might be in the healthcare world, but. It's quite amazing to see, really, isn't it, the, the, the level of, of commitment of people to want to help out others on a volunteer basis. It, it is, and, and we all bring something to the table, whether it's 
uh, financial assistance, you know, donating, donating time. I mean, time is money and um, services. Um, I mean, the, the this community, I can't speak for others, but this community is generous with with time, money and love. And it's it's fantastic. And is that why you do it? Just you, you get so much more out of it? I, it's yes. Um, I I feel that I was very fortunate um, to have somewhat of a fairly, if there's easy, easy um, cancer journey. And um, one of the things that brought me to the cancer center, um, I really wasn't sure what I was doing, to be honest. But um, as a volunteer, was seeing it was seeing some of those folks, specifically the older folks that were alone. And I thought, you know. I, I got lucky. I had a strong support system, um, and I didn't want to see others not do, you know, not have to do it alone. And so I got involved, and I have loved it. It's hands-on. Um, we deliver meals. Uh, we raise money. We have fun. It it feels good to give back to to a to a a facility, a family that was there for me. Well, well said. Our thanks to you and everyone that serves the Tri-Cities Cancer Center Foundation Board, the Catholic Foundation Board, all of the volunteers who make that cancer journey easier to go through. Jennifer Olero with the Tri-Cities Cancer Center Foundation Board. And again, the two foundations have collaborated to fund uh, the hiring of an additional nurse navigator over at the Tri-Cities Cancer Center. Again, our thanks to all of our guests tonight. Thank you for listening, and we'll talk again next week.